This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week 657, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. Fanboy Pick of the Week, episode 657. 
Those numbers never stop astounding. My name is Connor Kilpatrick. This is my co-host, Josh Flanagan. And they keep going in that same direction. It's crazy. It's not like one week you go, this is episode 342, and we're like, oh, that, oh that's, that's surprising. Always one more. We are a fanboy. Every week we read a bunch of comics, and one of us picks their favorite comic. We call it the pick of the week. We talk about that book on the show, as long as other books from the week. The patron picks and patron powers. Listener mail if we've got time. We don't run long and ramble. Or have fun rambling. It's all fun. It's all fun. Or at least we make it sound fun. Here's your spoiler <laughs> warning. This is a review show. There'll be some spoilers. You can exercise some caution. This week, Josh had the pick. I did have the pick. Um, and yeah, nothing really jumped out at me right away. I had to, I had finished my books. There were some, some fine books. Uh, it was a weird week. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was... It was smaller than I thought it was going to be when I initially started. I sort of like, I, I downloaded a bunch of books and I was like, okay. And I, and I read through them and then I was like, oh, that's it? So then I actually looked for more books. This is I, the first, this is the second week in a row where I had 15 or fewer books. Yeah. So which is weird. So I, I, I went back through and, and read some other things and tried to figure out sort of what was my pick. And then I realized that despite the fact that the artist uh, on Century Number 5 has been changed... Almost imperceptibly, if I'm going to be honest, from Kim Jacinto to Joshua Casino, um, mm-hmm. I realized mm. that I'm now five issues into a Jeff Lemire, a writer who I'd a little bit written off in mainstream comic book form, uh, and the Centuries uh, series, a character with whom I've certainly written off uh, long, long ago, and you know, five issues in, I was still really enjoying this. Um, I think you talked about every issue. I think I have, and I think it is. It, it's, you know, notable in, in that respect that, I mean, one of the problems with the Century that we always talked about, um, I think that the first miniseries was a little, I don't know, it was missing something. It had a lot of elements that should have worked, but at the end it felt like it didn't deliver on a promise, on the promise of itself. Sort of look look at it like it. There was something about it, like, like we didn't quite buy that he was the most powerful hero and that everybody had known about it and they all forgot him. It. it was all a bit much. There was mm-hmm. there was good craft in there. There were good ideas, but it was a little too much and a little too little all at the same time. If that makes right. sense. Then uh-huh. Bendis comes along, brings Sentry back, uh, you know, in the New Avengers, and you think, okay, let's give this a shot. But that was really just the same thing over and over again. Right. You'd bring the character the precipice of really being important, and then he would get scared and run away. And that's kind of where that character has existed for a while. Um, Lemire is approaching this character from a different perspective. And and also, you know, time and place has something to do with it. Like, I've read everything else, so I'm I'm a little like, well, let's see what you got. I'm I'm a little more open, I think, than I used to be. Um mm-hmm. and so at the end of the last issue, what you had was the sentry actually saying, you know what, I have been avoiding and scared of the void this whole time, and I'm sick of it. And I was like, I am too. And so he basically merged with the Void and became this sort of new, I don't know if they actually said Dark Sentry, but that's in my mind. Uh, he uh-huh. basically looks the same, but instead of yellow and blue, he's red and black. Um, and his hair is all black now, and, and he's sort of got all the energy of the Sentry, but also sort of these black energy tendril things. Um, so he's sort of both, and he's got like a swagger to him, and he's a little smug. Um, and the thing that was interesting about this issue uh, is that He's not necessarily evil, and okay. no one knows what to make of him. And basically, uh, you know, so his his this is very this storyline is sort of very similar in in the bones to Miracle Man, um, 
I guess that's a spoiler because nobody can actually read it, but it's been long enough now that you'll just have to deal with that. So the kid sentry or whatever, you know, the, the his sentry sidekick is, uh, is angry at the sentry and you find out that he's the villain. Um, the one armed mm-hmm. guy who works in the diner with him. Um, and he hatches this plot with another supervillain to sort of take down Bob and take the take the powers for himself because he feels like he deserves it. Um, and sort of at the precipice, like I said, he merges with the void and then he just is like, oh, enough with all this. And he he snaps the guy's neck. Now, we've had a lot of neck snapping in comics in the past and it got to but it's been a little while. So I think that, you know, the <laughs> I was like, all right, we went through a neck snapping phase for a while. Um <laughs> that's true it's true and then, so uh he kills him the avengers all show up and they're like stand down and you know new century dark century uh and you i don't know uh you know is like you you can't do anything about me and they're all kind of like no we can't and i just thought that was sort of an interesting choice and then at the end he sort of he, he takes care of the big bad guy uh he talks to the the girl that he'd work with who who you know um shouts him down and, and the Avengers sort of talk strong, and they're like, we'll send Thor after you, we'll send She-Hulk after you, and he's like, you could, you won't win, and they're like, yeah. And <laughs> so Sentry flies away, and, and She-Hulk's like, you know, so is he on our side or what? And Captain America's just like, I don't know. And I just thought that was so vague and interesting and very unmarvel like in a way. It's very, you know, it was very Jeff Lemire-like, if I actually think about sort of that early Jeff Lemire, that sort of work and even even the animal man stuff it's just just vague instead of him trying to do that style he's doing his thing and i think it works really well um it's just got a nice mix of tones what are you getting out of this that you are so i mean other than you're enjoying the story what do you i mean what is it about this series because you're clearly has struck something in you well i mean i think if i was to go back at the very beginning of this conversation it would be that i the Sentry, okay, this goes back. The Sentry was done by Paul Jenkins and and, and Jay Lee. Um, mm-hmm. This was the that was their follow up to their Inhumans twelve issue series, which is one of my favorite series of all time. And I've I've yeah. gone back and read it; it's still good. The Sentry was incredibly disappointed, appointing in in that way. I don't think I realized it quite at first, but after a little while, I was like, oh, that that really wasn't a great follow up. It's like. I don't know, like when the second album comes out of a band you really liked and it just doesn't do anything for you. So I feel like I've always wanted to like the Sentry. Mm-hmm. And like when we talked about, we did our book explode where we talked about the Avengers breakout, you know, new Avengers, you know, and, and we were like, oh, the Sentry's kind of fun in here. Like, I, I think I inherently want to like that character, but it never follows through. And and what I'm getting out of this series is um, – that it's it's just doing something unexpected instead of doing the same thing over and over again. And at this point in reading comics the way that we do, whenever there's something unexpected and I don't know what's going to happen, I take yeah. I take a lot of joy in that. Then you know the other side of this is the the, the two stories of I think Jeff Lemire. I mean we've seen uh, comebacks. I don't think the right word, but really he's had a burst over the last year or so, a little more than uh-huh. that probably. Where he's just he's doing compelling work. Yes, um, yes. Of, of a lot of different types. And there was a little while there where he was doing work that wasn't bad, but it wasn't it wasn't terribly compelling to me. And and I feel like he just found a groove, and it's always fun to watch somebody be in that groove. Other side of it is uh, the first few four issues were done by Kim Jacinto, um, and the whole time I was like, this art is wonderful. I don't know what happened to that artist. Apparently it's a Filipino artist. Um, and then Joshua Casina, who I believe had done – sort of co-art duties on the previous issues because it doesn't lose a lot. I, I remember in the looking at the credit page in the beginning. By the way, just the title page of this book is one of the worst examples of just JV Photoshop 
work I've ever seen in my life, and it's the same on every issue, and I hate it. There's a yellow-purple gradient. There's way too many crappy fonts and strokes. I hate it. It's awful. Anyway, I know, and I'm not, this is not, this is not like a thing for me. I'm not super picky, but that's terrible. Um, anyways, I noticed the artist was different, but then when I started reading through it, I was like, it doesn't feel a lot different. It has a lot of that same vibe. Uh, so I'm not sure what the story is, but I've, I've just really enjoyed the art through the whole thing. It's been, uh, I like the way that they draw Bob and his sort of scraggly beard, and I like the lines, and, and it's just a sort of, just right of realism. Um, not really cartoony, but, but definitely, um, you know, a, a more expressionistic uh, than a lot of stuff. And it's a fascinating turn for you, and I wonder if maybe because the the century experiment came along when you really jumped with two feet back into comics. Yes. Yeah, and it might be sort of like, yeah, like, like filling in a blank that has been blank for a little while. And, you know, I don't expect that this will be great forever. They should probably stop it at 10 issues and call it a day. But... You know, right now it's just, it's fun. And in the midst of everything else, I think sometimes in Marvel, you grab hold of a couple of things at a time. And even if they're short little moments, then that's what you can learn to, that's what I can learn to appreciate it, basically. Well, I'm glad you like it. Yeah, it's really fun. Uh, we will be talking about a book later that I actually read about 20 minutes ago that might have actually had a pretty good stance chance at being pick of the week uh, okay. had I read it earlier. But Comparing the two, just because I almost, I was like, can I do an Audible at the last minute, having already announced it on Twitter? And then I thought, <laughs> no. But I also decided that I don't think I would have officially changed my stance. But we'll get to that uh, eventually. Well, let's talk about Moon Knight 200, which is the final issue of this series, this volume. Although, I guess... Again? They went back, they went back to the original numbering, so I guess it's uh, still all the same volume. What's nice but, is I don't know how long the, this mini, this run was now because of that. That's <laughs> true. But he does Max, say in the in the Max Bemis when he writes I think or the or the editor he said this has been a fun few years and I was like it hasn't been a few years? Has it? No. Well, they, could work, they could have been working on it for a few years. I think it's I think it's 12 issues worth of comics, but Max think, Bemis and then Paul Davidson uh was the main artist, but then they had Jason Burroughs and Jeff Lemire and Bill Sienkiewicz do uh yeah. some special pages. Uh, for this issue, because I definitely noticed that Jeff Lemire. He's one of the most famous uh, Moon Knight artists. Jeff Lemire did the run on Moon on uh, Moon Knight, and Jason Burroughs also did art on this book as well. So, um, I have to say though, as much as I really enjoyed this run on Moon Knight, I didn't really love this after the after like the second issue of this particular arc. I didn't really care about it, and I didn't really like this issue so much. I am actually right there with you. Um, I don't. Th- I don't think it was bad. I, I just t- to be clear, like I just I didn't get a ton out of it. I don't think I loved. Was the is this the third arc of the Sadiq one? The the this, sadistic. Well, it's the same arc. It's the right. Same I'm sorry. Th- third issue of the of this. I think it's more than that. I think it's like the fourth. I remember the first issue. I don't. We like the first was- two where he was actually going through. The first yeah. issue he met them. The second issue was that weird one where he went through their challenges. Yep. Okay. And then when, at the end of that, he beat everybody. We thought that was it. But then they kept going. They revealed that the, that the Society de Sadiq was being run by Uncle Ernst, the, the Nazi right. from the previous That arc. was at the end of the second issue, which I thought was really fun. No, no. That reveal, I think, happened. But the, that but they have a whole issue on that. Then there was this issue. There's, this is at least the fourth issue. could be the fifth issue. Okay. Well, I think you're right. I think it, it lost steam for me. Um, but, I mean, the, I mean, really the reason that we're talking about it is that Overall, you know, math on the table, 
this was a really good, and also, almost more importantly, a really interesting run of Moon Knight. Um, so it's probably, and this is probably the best I've read. Sort of in a Yeah, no, thing. for sure. I, I think this is, um, I mean, I've certainly read Moon Knight runs in the past that I have enjoyed, but on a sustained basis. Yeah. Of unusual stories from a from an un, basically an unknown uh, writer. Yeah, and even I thought this was really fun. Yeah, and even like even when I didn't love it, I I had to you know I can still be I can still see the bent the you know like, oh I see what's interesting about that I see what's different about that there was it was there was always some angle that felt fresh to me and I I really appreciate that um, you know like in this in this I I didn't love this issue and that was really going to be my thing I was like I I don't know that I also I kind of lost track of everything there was a, a lot going on. Um, but well, I, the Sun God character from the first yeah. arc turns into, if not a hero, an anti-hero, teams up with Moon Knight to take down uh, other people. Yeah. I didn't really, I just was like, I, I, liked, I felt go, like I was going through the motions reading this. I liked movie. that bit, though. I liked that when they, when basically he's beating him up, he's like, stop, you have to listen to me. And then there was kind of an unexpected team up in a way. Um. You know, after that, I, I just thought that was kind of interesting because I never really got a handle on that character in that first arc either. I don't think that first arc was great. No, um, it, it picked up after that arc. Yep. We were we were interested. The, we really liked the art. Yep. Um, some interesting things happened. I remember we were very, we were sort of on the fence, and then the thing it picked up after that first arc. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, but overall, you know, it, it, it's a it's a it's a good run. And I, I think that, you know, even though, like, the last issue or so maybe wasn't our favorite, you know, I don't think that took away from it. Um, what was, you know, just sort of enjoyable, uh, you know, thoughtful comics. Yeah, and I think I think even though it was a bit unusual take, not, not your traditional superhero take on a character, I think it probably a good run for Moon Knight fans. I mean, I'm, a, I'm like a casual, casual yeah. fan, and I enjoyed it. Also, I really lot. don't like the... I, I don't know. I don't get into the multiple personality thing, and I've read it a lot and not yeah. liked it. This has been the best version of that that I've been able to get into. The Warren Ellis, um, uh, Declan Shalvey run was really good, but almost just more on a stylistic. Like it was just gorgeous, and it was yeah. it was great to read. Uh, the Greg Smallwood stuff again, gorgeous. I didn't even read it. I literally just looked at it. Um, so this was this was sort of a full package. Uh, nice nice single page from Jeff Lemire, and nice single page from Bill Sienkiewicz at the end. Mm-hmm. It's, it's 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 this was despite the fact that I didn't love this story I think this was handled well as a final issue of the run. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a good point. I don't if it had tried to go, you know, I did think, oh, I, I kind of would have liked more. Now I was about to say I didn't want more, but I think I would have liked, you know, let's let's live with this for a while. But if that's what you've got, that's what you've got. I'll take it. I feel kind of like I do when a, a TV show I like gets canceled. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, that sucks. But now I have an hour back. Yeah, there's there's definitely a relief to it, <laughs> and, and that relief has intensified as I got older. I'm working on a theory about how TV is worse now, <laughs> worse, for, worse for worse for culture, even though it's better. Anyway, let's, that's not this I, podcast. I, that's this podcast. No, put a pin in that though. <laughs> that right there, you know what that could be? That could be a heck of an all media episode. That's true. We'll, we'll talk about that later. Mm-hmm. Action Comics 1004. And if you can't tell, this is the first time I've been speaking out loud today. Brian Michael Bendis, gorgeous art by Ryan oh. Wayne Wade Von Grobbadger, one of our favorite names in comics on inks. And, uh, Great inker, so also. Lo- I don't want to just... Lois is back. And before we get to Lois, I want to say that I think I realized in this issue that if Bendis wrote a comic starring Perry White, I would buy it. 
I could, yeah, okay, I'm, I, I can he's, get behind he, that. He's a very good Perry White. Yeah, yeah, and there's a really nice, like it's Perry White, and he's got like the bluster and the quote unquote anger, but also like there's a little soft side of him that he sort of shows Clark when that door is closed, like when he he, go, he goes off character. Yes. That you know that sort of like we're colleagues, we worked. I respect you. You know our positions aren't. Yeah, you're right. It it, it was. I, I noticed that too. It was really nice. Every every time he showed up, it was great. Um, and uh, including with with the baseball bat when there's an attack on the planet, he was running out with a bat. Like he just he Bendis excels with that grumpy father figure character who is mm-hmm. who has got a heart of gold underneath like 15 layers of grump. Mm-hmm. I really liked when he when Superman showed up to save the day, and he quietly had him check for cancer yeah. because he's had cancer before. And uh, I really like that moment a lot. I, I loved. I mean, shocker! I, I really loved this. <laughs> I I did have a moment where I was like, "Fuck me!" I really don't. I, I don't. I don't care about the salesman. Bendis really is the right guy for De- Superman right now. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but he is, and I don't think I would have predicted it when they announced it either. What do you think of the resolution of Lois coming back and the weird way that she handled it? Weird, and somebody made a joke about it. Was it on our Patreon page or somewhere? somewhere. On uh, it was either on Twitter or our Facebook, our Patreon Facebook group about how if, if they had gone away for on a trip and then secretly come back and been living in a, in a hotel for months, writing a book about their spouse, uh, they wouldn't have been met with a smooch and a bunch of wild sex. They would have been a, a divorce lawyer. Yeah. That yeah, I don't know what's going on here. But it's, I, I think there's there's two things. One, she does explain like we're not normal, and I was like, "Are you going to ask to be a swinger, Lois?" Because <laughs> yeah, this that? really feels like it's leading into a polyamory territory. I'm not going to lie. Um, but but also like it feels to we me like normal. It also feels like this was just a way, uh, a machination to let uh, Bendis run with just Superman for a little while, and also now just Lois because because Jonathan is still off with right. Fake, fake, fake dad. Fake it's grandpa. a, it's a really fine line, because this would be a good time to just, you know, send Jonathan off now. We, and we've talked about this. I liked those Jonathan stories, but if he went off to boarding school and was never spoken again, like like the older Cunningham brother, fair enough. Yeah, he went. He Jonathan goes upstairs with the basketball. Is never seen again. Yep. Uh, and I'm fine with that. I mean, the, the scenes between Lois and Clark were really fun and snappy, and and they have a they have a sexy relationship, which is nice and. Uh, so if they had, if they need to make this contrivance to get her back, then, then fine. Um, although, what did you think about the death of Superman joke? I'm trying to remember it. I don't know that it means. When, when Superman shows up to save the day, when that woman shows up with the gun at the Daily Planet. Oh, it's uh, on the poster? He sees the framed front page of Superman dead and he says, hey, the good old days. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I think I don't know at the time, and I, th- I think I moved along. <laughs> I I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell. I don't know. Yeah, like, it's tough, because he's kind of smiling, and he's being nonchalant. I don't know. It's funny, because I think that, I don't know, I, I, it's actually a thing that's kind of interesting. This Superman, who has landed in the Daily Planet, is putting on an act a little bit. Yeah, he's kind of like, hey. And it's pretty interesting to see how that, to see that get portrayed in a comic book. Like, so that's a tough go, thing to pull off. Go to page 20. It's that same page with Superman. Superman dead. Yeah, uh, I'm looking at it. So, 
there's two panels of that joke, and then there's a panel where he's basically looking right at us uh, over Jimmy's head because he's noticed he's he's noticed Miss Miss Good, who we we know is a double agent for right. the bad guys. Do you think? And I, I don't know if it's you know it's just it's done in the silent panel. Do you think he knows something's up? What does that facial expression tell you? Say to you? I don't know because I took that. If you don't take the next panel into uh, like if you the page turn. And it's just him looking down. That seems like to me like a moment of reflection after he's uh, all shucksing off the fact that there's a big picture of him dead there. Right. Like a, yeah, good days. Ooh. Yeah, no, I, I understand that. I don't know. I don't know that he knows. I think that you could go so far as to say that because he's Superman, he, uh, not spider sense, but, and not even like a suspect something, he just gets a whiff. Something's off. One of the things that's really interesting about what you said about Superman basically putting on a, a show for uh, for them is that when he flies away, he has a much more somber look on his face. Yeah. So also, that, is, that really is an exceptional chin and face for Superman. That yeah. is that is top tier, grade A Superman face. You can cut glass with that chin. Oh, it's really good. I mean, that, like, honestly, I know we like the Superman beard. If you put a beard on that, that would just be, that would be like putting ketchup on a steak. It just would be horrible. I mean, if he needed to go away and chop wood for a while, you know, and he grew a little on the way chopping wood beard, that'd be all right. But then he had to shave it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just very interesting. What's, there's a lot of interesting elements going on here besides a terrific story and besides really gorgeous Ryan Souk art. Mm-hmm. Do yourself a favor and flip through this book. If you nice see coloring, it too. Yeah, really nice coloring. It's a, Brad it's a, Anderson. This is a well, this is a well produced book. It is. It's and, still and, very and good. I, I, yeah, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna apologize for talking about Superman a lot because it was such a long time where we couldn't. That's true. You know, and uh, we, we, you know, like it, we've, I don't know that we've ever needed Superman more. <laughs> in a, in a both a literal <laughs> and, and 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 you know figurative context, you know, good Superman in my life really does help. Usagi Ujimbo, The Hidden, number seven. This is the final issue of this, I guess, miniseries. They're all that, yeah. So, uh... We figured out what The Hidden was. Right at the end there. Yeah, I I thought this was a really excellent use of structure. I agree. Because we assumed The Hidden was the Bible. When, Mm -hmm. in fact, The Hidden was the hidden Christians within the the culture of Japan at the time. Well, that and specifically uh, the the main inspector, whose name right. is out of my head right now, but who's been with Usagi the whole time, you know, I'd I'd be interested to go back and look and see if there were any clues to that. Ishida, Ishida, exactly. Yeah, I would be too. Um, and I, one of the things I really like about this book, other than the the great art and structure, is that well, I guess this is art, but I love the way he draws Ishida's face. You can really see a human face in there without mm-hmm. it being. A human, because he's because he's an animal, obviously. I what what kind of animal though? Could you answer that? Because I can't. It's a cat, oh, maybe. Good question. I don't think I even thought of it. He looks like a cat. Yeah, he looks like a cat. Mm-hmm. But he's got those heavy black eyebrows and yep. the stubble. He just he, you can see, you can see it. It's a cop. It's a and then cop. at some point, there's like an evil, there's like another evil rabbit samurai who isn't Usagi Yojimbo. Right in in the big fight, yeah. This was like the big fight uh, issue. I I actually also really like the. I don't know. At the end, there's like a bureaucracy to things, right? And I, I like 
this is the big fight over the Bible, as we talked about before. That this whole story is about, about a Bible that, that that's been translated into Japanese, so it's even it's even more dangerous and for the people in charge. And there's a fight between Usagi Jimbo and Nishida, who are trying to solve a murder related to the Bible. There's the shogunate soldiers who want it. There's thieves who want it. There's the, there's the local cops who are Shida's bosses who want you know there's a lot of competing interests here, and you're right there's a hierarchy. So the, since the shogun is there, they it's like the feds showing up. They outrank the cops, so mm-hmm. nothing they can do about it. I also one of the things I don't know that I've ever put my finger on this, but one of the things that's interesting is that Usagi Yojimbo himself, he's super steady all the time. He's never scared he's never angry yeah he's just sort of accepting it as things come and he's i don't know he's he's like a role model (laughs) (laughs) he's just he's handling what comes along you know like he's got he's got some emotions like when they get attacked he shows surprise but there's not you know he's not wolverine right no Um, he's 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 even keeled but he's, you know, and so he's the one we're following through this world as he's sort of, because he's a ronin, he's a masterless samurai, you know, he's just going from place to place and, and he has friends and associates everywhere because they respect him and um, it's, just, it's just an interesting thing about it. Cause, and now that I think back, like, I feel like it's ever been that way. He's just, we travel with him. Really interesting uh, little essay in the back from Stan Sakai. Yep. About the uh, about Christianity in feudal Japan, and then there's a really great photo of a uh, like it's the last uh, of his field of these handcrafted mirror makers in Japan, mm-hmm. and it's really I just I just really master of mirrors, and uh, he got that stand bought when he was there, and really interesting uh, story and essay. I really like this this miniseries. My first yeah. exposure to Usagi Ujibo. Yeah, it's a good one. It was it was definitely a good one. It 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 wrote a lot of lines, I think, uh, that you kind of don't expect, but they were sort of handled very smoothly. The weight of history was good for it. Yes. Did you read Mars Attacks number one? About twenty minutes ago. Okay. Uh, um, this is from Kyle Starks and Chris Schweitzer, who were the creators behind one of our favorite books, Rock Candy Mountain, last year. Uh, Kyle Starks. Wrote this one, Kyle Schweitzer. Rich, drew Rich it. Schweitzer. Kyle Schweitzer. Wow, I, I should stop saying things without looking at what I'm doing. Chris Schweitzer, uh, Latin in Rock County Mountain, he just did the lettering and production. Here he's doing the art, but it has the same exact sensibility as Rock County Mountain, but in the world of Mars Text. And I, I think Chris Schweitzer's, terrific. I think Chris Schweitzer's uh, contribution to Rock County Mountain was also that of a spiritual nature. Like I feel like yeah. if you read that S at the end, like he was the guy who was like, you can totally do this. Um, right. And if you've ever met Chris Schweitzer, yes, that's correct. Like he's a, I, 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 I've hung out with him once or twice. He's a, he's a fantastic guy and a really good cartoonist. Um, so when I saw this, which I didn't know about it until you sent it back to me, I thought, oh, I'm really mad that I didn't read that. So I made an effort to read it very quickly at the last minute today. Um, I'll have you know that I pointed this out to you on Tuesday. Oh, I, I you know what, I, you might have, but I'm, I don't think I saw it. I don't think I registered it. So, very simple story. A man is visiting his dad at the old folks' home. This man is recently laid off for like the seventh time. His dad is a grizzled old Vietnam vet who is like four feet tall. And uh, while this, while he's meeting with his dad, unbeknownst to them because they're so self-involved, they're, uh, the Mars Martians have attacked. This is a this is a classic IP, really terrific underrated film from Tim Burton many years ago. 
so they're you know the big they're the big they're the big bobble headed uh, bull wearing aliens who have the death rays and so they attack the town while they're escaping and the doctors offer to euthanize them and they make their escape as Martians are ray gunning everything around them and they escape to the woods. Uh, it was very simple, very simple overall story, but uh, I mean, it has that same tone and sensibility and I really, really, really liked it. It was really good. This was yeah. the one I was like, I could have made this pick of the week. Partially <laughs> because it was so unexpected. I've read, there's been Mars Attacks comics fairly regularly over the years and when I opened it, I didn't really know what to expect. Um, I knew I knew the cartooning would be great. Um, it's not the same kind of cartooning that's in Krogan's Vengeance or any of the Krogan's stories that Chris Schweitzer's done. Um, mm-hmm. But it, but it worked. Um, but I, what I came out of this was, and I'm I'm going to make a proclamation. Uh, Kyle Starks has it. Yes. I, I thought, oh, he's going to be getting work. Can people yes. notice this uh, Rock Candy Mountain in this? It's he's got a voice, um, but it's a there's a real there's a that's my I'll tell you my favorite panel was <laughs> the I, I forget her name, but the lady uh, who always wins bingo. She comes through. There's five. There's I think five or six sort of horizontally wide panels, and they're narrow. And she comes running through the second to last panel on the page. She's like, "We're all gonna die." And he goes, "You cheated, bingo. I'll see you in hell." <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, that's fantastic. And then she comes back and gets killed. Yeah, yeah. No, he, he has a point of view. He has a voice. He has a sense of humor and a sensibility. He can do character. Pacing yeah. was excellent. Uh, structure was excellent. Like, it, all of it was there. It was great. I, I really liked I mean, you know, I love I loved that Tim Burton movie. I'm, you know, never really, never. I don't think I've ever really read a Mars Attacks comic. It's hard. The tone is hard. Layman did one at one point, and there was one other one. I don't remember what it was. A lot of times, those get away with art. Like that's an, an artist wants to do it, and it's really fun to look at, but it's not very interesting story wise. I really like the doctor showing up, and you think it's for a checkup because he's got the mm-hmm. amiable, amiable way about him of a young doctor at their old folks' home, and okay, so I have the uh, fatal dose of uh, pentothal or something. What is it? He's pro, whatever the whatever the drug is, and uh, so if you want to, who wants to go first? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, what? Um, it was. I just really like this uh, a lot. I mean, the, also, I mean, Chris Schweitzer's art, the character cartooning is great. He's very stylized, mm-hmm. um, very different looking than Rock Candy Mountain. Where everybody in Rock Candy Mountain, because it wasn't him, but everybody in Rock Candy Mountain had a very square mm-hmm. features. Here, there's a lot of thin, needle thin noses and. And uh, really, really fun lines. Yeah, and and just you know, like the 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 um, reveal of sort of what was going on, the way that that was handled structurally. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like we hear it from the TV as they're watching it, and this you know ponytail dude is just completely oblivious to it, has no idea, which I like. That's 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 actually also character at the same time. So then the the way that his character was written compared to how his dad was written, you know, neither of them are arch you know like like the yeah. the the marine corps dad isn't a complete asshole he seems like no. he's kind of a stereotype at first but as you keep going he's not um he has he has depth to him same thing with sort of the hippie son you know where he said he's not really a hippie actually because the dad says something which i thought was a brilliant line was how are you you're, you're like a hippie but without any of the convictions and i was like that's good um <laughs> and then later he's like i'm a good person does that matter at all like I, all of that stuff was was excellent. He got a lot of stuff done in there. And again, that's all the thing. Like 
Marvel and DC are going to go after this guy. I don't know when, but it should. For yeah, sure. he, he's he's got the package. Um, yeah, it's a great issue. The lesson of this book is don't cheat a bingo. See you in hell. You'll get zapped. Real quick break to talk about how you can help support iFanboy. Patreon.com slash iFanboy is a great way. And we've added our next stretch goal. So originally we just had the month the monthly non-comics media podcast with Josh mentioned earlier, which means if we get to that goal, maybe we'll, in addition to the almost famous debate, we'll do a discussion on the current state of television. I have lots of thoughts on it. We'd be really good at that. So if you want to hear that, go to patreon.com slash iFanboy. In addition to that stretch goal, we will also upload all of our missing YouTube uh, video, um, not YouTube videos, all of our missing video shows that we did for Vision 3. We'll put them on our YouTube channel. We'll re-embed them on the website so you can get access to many, many years of video content that we used to do uh, more than 10 years ago, which was let's crazy not, when we th- think let's, about it. Let's not focus on that part. Well, all, so you get, the, you get the non-comics media podcast. You'll get the uh, shows back on YouTube if we can hit our next stretch goal. And we're, we, we're almost there, folks. So just a couple of you need to join up. Also, ifanboy.threadless.com is where you can find our T-shirts or other tchotchkes with our, with our designs on them. And I, I just looked last night, actually, and Nothing Makes Sense, Nothing Matters is, continues to sell like hotcakes. It's crazy. Well, let's not over um, let's not oversell it. Yeah, I'm not. I mean, you know, these are low margin items. Five, but <laughs> it's still it's. it's I don't know still, if it's five. Uh, I just made that number up. It's still the most popular item. I'm so, what I'm saying. The other ones are still. And actually, all, I think all the all the designs are currently uh, just purchased. But nothing makes sense. Nothing matters. It's juggernaut. Family.com slash support. That's where you can help us out via PayPal directly if you don't want to become a patron or you don't want a t-shirt, which is totally understandable. You can go there. And also at family.com slash Amazon. That's where you can find links to buy the books we've talked about in Booksplode and also a general link as the holiday season appe- uh, approaches. I've already seen holiday decorations out. My friend sent me a, fi- a photo from his uh, ho- apartment building in which someone had a wreath on their door. Not even Halloween. So <sighs> check out all the ways you can help us. Patreon.com slash fanboy. Ifanboy.threadless.com, Ifanboy.com slash support, Ifanboy.com slash Amazon. I'm gonna let that stew in your brain for a little while. I just, Josh. I didn't even, I was, I, I you move along. Yeah, so we get, now we get to the Josh Flanagan portion of the show. It's the end of days, Major. We're all going to die. You're a bingo cheat, Shirley Watson. I'll see you in hell. That is, that's good dialogue right there. Uh, is this all me? Well settle, your, settle your account. This is all it, me. It's mostly, except for Well, I. I, I hope that you'll find something to say because I appreciate. So, uh, Books of Magic number one from the the newly restarted Vertigo. Um, I actually never read Books of Magic. Uh, Tim Hunter is a long term sort of Vertigo DC magic character who's eerily Harry Potter like. I think came before Harry. Yes, definitely came before Harry Potter. But it just turns out I've, I've never – I think I've maybe read a miniseries here and there, but I don't know where he came from originally. I just know he's sort of been in the background of all those magic books from Vertigo, this Sandman universe basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason that I read this was that Tom Fowler, who is a, a big favorite of mine, did the art on this one, um, which was fun. Uh, he was a little constricted, I think, given the script because there's a lot of people talking so right. I don't know that I got a chance to see the big genius that is Tom Fowler get let loose on a bunch of magic stuff, but I think that we will get there, um, and I, I consider that largely sort of a, a fault of the script. You um, want Tom Fowler to have as the biggest panels possible. 
Yes. And I, and I wanted to be able to draw monsters and crazy shit and, and do anything he wants. And a lot of this was, you know, people in a school as we're in the sort of first act of sort of establishing who the guy is and, and, uh, and how it's going to work. Um, it was very much like a first issue in that respect. Um, very introductory. If you've never read Tim Hunter before, you could get by with this. You find out he's got, you know, He's got magic, and he, he can't get to it yet, and he wants to. There is a big metaphor there uh, for adolescence, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I can do things, Mom, you've never even heard of. Um, <laughs> that's a 21-year-old it's a oh, film reference. Um, yeah. You just wait. I got talent. You never you never even heard of it before, Mom. And that's a really uncomfortable scene from... Well, when, the book, when Tim Hunter's book takes that turn, it'll be un- un- unexpected. Yep, it's true. This is all leading up to a huge dick in a mirror. Um, it was fine. It was fine. I look forward to seeing uh, what will happen as the magic starts to show up a little more uh, in the art, which is why I'm here. All right. Um, yep. That, so that that was great. Uh, all right. Great. Probably not, not too much for it. Uh, in one of the books that I read because I was trying to fill in, I was looking, I was searching, uh, was Infinity Wars Arachnite number one. Uh, this uh, spins out of that Infinity Wars um, mini event thing that's going on written by... Which is interesting because I think you said when we read the Captain America one that you weren't going to read any of the other ones. Uh, I wasn't, except uh, nothing about this made me want to read it until I saw Dennis Hopeless's name on... Okay. On story, and I, I always try to give his stuff a shot when I can because I, I dig the voice that he has. And on this, uh, I did. So you've got Moon Knight mixed with um, Spider-Man in this one, and so he has multiple personalities. But he also saw Uncle Ben killed, and there's a there's an Osborn. Uh, basically, uh, he was in the park with May and Ben, and Green Goblin came out of the woods and killed Uncle Ben, but nobody believed him. Uh, a spider came up to him and and said, "I can save you," and but I'm going to be part of you. And so that's how he ended up with multiple personalities. So he's sort of Moon Knight and Spider-Man mixed in together. Uh, It was not rocket science, but it was fun. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's a twist. There's an Osborne twist at the end uh, that I liked a lot. Just that, you know, that subtle reimagining that they get to do in books like these. I mean, it's, it's kind of a what if really. Um, Right. Which uh, art by Ali Garza, um, who I don't see a lot, but I, I like it. It's sort of a, an er, uh, like it reminds me of a sort of early two thousands art style. For sure, yeah. Um, but but not bad, not bad at all. It, it's it's fun, and I think it works for this kind of character. Um, anyway, speaking of what if, uh, over on what if Thor number one, and it's what if Thor uh, was raised by the frost giants uh, again. Why isn't that in the title? That's the whole point of the title. It asks you a question: What if Thor was raised by the frost giants? That's the that should be the title of the comic. What if Thor? I like, don't, hey, what if, what if uh, Thor? I don't fully trust the titles as written by Comixology, so... No, no, that's what I've seen everywhere. Yeah, okay. Well, it's long that way. Uh, this was written by um, Ethan Sachs. And right, yes. we remember Ethan Sachs, of course, from the stellar Old Man Hawkeye series we are currently uh, reading. And so that was enough for me to give this one a try. I have checked out all of the what ifs that have been coming out in this le- recent run. I haven't read many of them. I've read a couple of them. They're fine. Um, and I think this was pretty good uh, as far as a what if goes written by a guy. You know, the guy who wrote this is the guy who's writing Old Man Logan. And and so far, all we've seen him Old do Man is... Old Man Hawkeye. Uh, yeah, that's what I mean. Old Man Hawkeye. Uh, so far, all we've seen him do is sort of reimaginings and, and sort of out of left field sort of Marvel stuff. But it's got all the right themes in there, um, and it's what the it's what it's promised. You know, like how does the, how does if he's 
if if Thor gets killed or if Odin gets killed by by a frost giant, um, you know, and then Thor is taken by him, and then uh, Loki is, you know, they, they're switching places. Then what would happen? Um, and so is it is it like classic what ifs where it's just a one issue or is it more than one issue? It is just one issue. Okay. Uh, there's definitely a moment. Uh, you know, the end has, uh, you know, the end with a question mark. So you could go back to it. There's definitely a lot of seeds sown. It doesn't feel like you got a complete story necessarily because it definitely ends on sort of a rhetorical question, you know. So is it – because I haven't read any of these new ones. Uh-huh. Um, I've, I've The old one is one of some of my favorite comics as a kid because I liked exploring the other the other choices that could have been made. The, uh, the whole point of the old what-ifs was that the choices or the things that happened in the original comics were the right thing. So they always ended in tragedy, the what ifs, because it was like, this is this is not how it should have gone. Captain mm-hmm. America's dead. That's a good point. Is that how it is here? Um, there's a little of that, but not exactly. Not, not that clear cut. Okay. Uh, basically, at the end of this, uh, you find out that, um, is it Freya? Freya, yeah. Yeah, she's been alive the whole time, and Loki knew about it and never told Thor. Thor thought all of the Guardians had been killed, and so he sort of was like, all right, I'm 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 the king of Jotunheim now, great. Um, and then Loki sort of sneaks off, and we, we flash forward to the future where Loki is telling the story to his boys, basically, and he's got a beard, so that's how you know he's old. And then he looks outside, and there's a crash of uh, lightning thunder, and he looks down, and he sees a necklace that uh, him and Thor both had a, had one of, and so he looks up worried. That's the end of mm-hmm. it. So it's it's more of a, a mysterious cliffhanger than a, than a morality tale. I see. Yeah. All right. But it was it was good. I I I dug it. You know, it wasn't 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 amazing, but again, I think we're gonna see more from Ethan Sachs. Aliens Dust to Dust number three. I don't remember when two came out. It was a while ago. But it, it felt like when this, when this came out, I was like, oh, right. Mm-hmm. Actually, Maybe a hard story and art, which is why we're talking about it. Um, yes. Even though I didn't really remember what was going on or who any of these people were. It didn't matter. It didn't matter because it was a really well done single issue in and of itself. And it gave you all the information needed and and you're fine. Yeah. I mean, it. it uh, first of all, this is just a gift. This is like, yeah. you know, Gabe... Hardman loves aliens, and so he's going to draw this alien story, and I'm in. It's like That's all I needed to know. I didn't need to know what it was going to – I don't even care what it's going to be. But really, it was focusing a lot on you know aliens chasing the people and action. Now, there's definitely some drama that's going on, and there's a twist, and there's you – know, there's, there's, that stuff's there. But really, if you were just wanting to watch aliens chase people and kill them – which is really what's going on in an aliens movie? <laughs> One armed alien with because the alien yep. got his arm cut off in the yeah. previous his mom story. I uh, I find it interesting that Gabe seems to really like the hero with the male pattern baldness. This is between this and Invisible Republic, mm-hmm. um, which is not something you often see in comics. Uh, I I mean this was I don't I love I like the aliens movies a lot and this is fun to read but I I mean it's like. I really like reading it. I really like seeing his art. We don't see it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, he clearly loves the universe. There's a lot of love in these stories, and he he tells the stories really well. Yeah. But you know, ultimately, it's kind of like you know, it's a, it's a bunch of xenomorphs. It's a really nice snack. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's it's a it's a it's an appetizer almost. You just oh, this is great. I'm gonna have some of that. It's not it's not pick of the week. It's not you know, this is an amazing comic book work. It's just it's just really fun and really great, and it goes by really quickly. Um, because it's it's largely it action. Yeah. 
Um, if you're an alien fan, I can imagine. Yeah. I'm mean, a big alien, big alien fan. I, can or if you, I mean, honestly, if you're a comic book storytelling fan, like it's it's like if if I if I was trying to teach somebody how to draw comic books, like mm-hmm. this would be the kind of thing I would show them. Like this is how you do action in comic books. This is it's right. Action goes left to right. That's what I think of with Gabe. But really, that is what's happening though. And he's just, the, um, it's almost like an exercise. The idea that because the kid's mom is the xenomorph that she has some instinct in her not to hurt him is interesting. I do want that to get overridden by the end. It, well, you'd think it should. He, just because I think that that goes, I think maybe, see if I was writing, if I was, this is stupid. Everything I say after this is stupid, just so people know. <laughs> um, the the We'll see if this plays out, but... I could see how, like, maybe that has an, uh, a bit to do as the xenomorph is sort of developing, because we've seen this xenomorph get born, we've seen it go after them, you know, but as it takes over, like, it's a killing machine. It's going to end up killing everybody, because that's what they do. Right. Um, and so I, I, I look at it as, like, like, false hope. Maybe this kid will be okay. No, he's not going to be okay. It's a xenomorph. <laughs> um, but it, It's a, cl- it's a classic that. move, but I really like the... We've made it. We've escaped to the ship. Oh, there's eight, there's eight xenomorphs in the ship. <laughs> there are always xenomorphs. <laughs> always you do xenomorphs. not escape them. These are these are rules. Great band name. So <laughs> there are always xenomorphs. Just always xenomorphs. Nice. So I I really like. It. I, I mean I'm I'm happy. I I'm read it. And it's really good, and I'm looking forward to. I, I, four is the final issue, so it's just to be included. So it's gonna be a nice little uh, mini series. Um, so those are the books we wanted to talk about, we, but if you go to patreon.com slash ifanboy and you become a patron, all patrons at any level can vote to add a book to the rundown. We call it the patron pick. And this week, in, in another week of depressed voting, I wonder if the, the weird witness of the, uh, of the, uh, week or perhaps just general voting fatigue has depressed the vote in the last two weeks. But this week, the pick was Lodger number one, published by IDW in their black crown sub label. Written by David and Maria Lapham, art by David Lapham, who is famous for Stray Bullets, which was a book we used to talk about a lot on the show because our old co-host Ron is a big fan of Stray Bullets. For some reason. Didn't you read it? I've read it. You and I tried it a couple times and uh, didn't work out ever. Um, Last week, Josh, you missed Lucifer as the patron pick, which is my least favorite patron pick, until this week. (laughs) Um... I don't like David Lappin's work. Yeah, I mean, and and, I, and I've given it a shot. Something about it doesn't doesn't work for me. I, I, I and and really, I'm not even equivocating. It doesn't mean it's bad, but it doesn't work for me. Um, I I I honestly lost the thread of this at a certain. I felt point. like this was like a third issue. I just felt like we were dropped in, and I'm fine being dropped in to a story, but this felt like. This assumed I had information I did not have. And it was very, it jumped all over the place. Like the big reveal at the end with these guys on the bus. I don't know who those guys are supposed to be. I think naming your, when you don't know your characters and you've named your name character who is a female, you name her Ricky. I think that is a confusing move in a way. Yeah. Uh, just in it. But the thing is, all of this stuff is always sort of vague. This is, this is his style. You know, the, uh, it, I, and I can't complain about that. It, it, it is what it is. But I, I had very little to hook onto, um, and I lost the thread about two-thirds of the way through, um, which is partially because I didn't care. Yeah. Um. Like, and it's people, 
it's bleak and it's people making bad decisions and I hate that. I just I mean I I don't know that I could even with a gun to my head sum up the story. Yeah, I mean there's a yeah. So the the captions, the the white on black captions, mm-hmm. those are not the girl. That they're not Ricky. No, it's more like a third like an like it's a the other person. guy on the bus who may or may not have killed this woman that she goes into fuss. So she goes to the girl who's a 17-year-old girl who ends up in this like random small town where they have like Or a, that's the blog she she refers to. I don't know. She goes to stay somewhere, I guess like a a lodge cuz she's the lodger. Great title by the way. Um and she finds a dead body and a bunch of cats and then the cops show up and she she makes a notch on her belt which already has many notches. Cops knock on the door. She takes off. And I'm just like, why are you doing that? That's that's you know, but again, people do stupid things. I don't know. I just I tried and 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 I really it doesn't. It yeah. doesn't. It doesn't work. There's something about his storytelling that doesn't just. I don't. I don't get into. Which is fine. I know a lot of people do, and and that's cool. But uh, I just don't do it. I can't. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. It's not even the bleakness of the storytelling. It's just I. I can't follow. I can't follow it for some reason. It's not just you though. I mean, it's not like we're yeah. not good at comics. Um, and I don't even think, I don't know, I think that this stuff connects with some people, mm-hmm. and it, you have to have it, it has to connect with you, and then it works but for clearly, you. But clearly, clearly, I mean, it does. Right, exactly. So, I'm I'm absolutely willing to admit that either I'm missing something, or I am missing, you know, the, 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 the point, or, or I just don't have whatever it is that I need to have to enjoy it. And that's, this wouldn't be the only comic like that. For sure. So mm-hmm. there you go. That's the patron pick. Let's ratings it. Ratings. Out of five. So I gave I gave Lucifer like a 1.9 or something. Uh, 1.5. <sighs> like it wasn't his art's he's good. He's not yeah. a bad artist so I can't make it. No. I can't like totally kill it but I didn't. I didn't enjoy it reading it. So, two. Yeah, sticking with it. No. <laughs> so, so there you go. I'm gonna Patreon.com/slash/ifanboy. Every patron can vote to put a book in the rundown. But if you give it a five dollar or higher level, you get your own dumb superpower on the show. Oops, I said dumb. Don't it's do that. Superpower. It's a superpower. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to put uh, thoughts in your head. Mm-hmm. But everyone who, who gives it that level gets thanked on the show. We do, we do thank everyone. We'll kick it off. I don't know that you would. I, I, I think it would be a disservice to Corey A. Goodwin um, mm-hmm. to say that this is a dumb superpower. However, mm-hmm. Corey can only communicate via drum uh, solo. So, uh, so, so wait, so people understand his drum solos as communication? Uh, like, yes. Like talking to a droid in Star Wars? Yeah, yeah, sort of. He can definitely communicate an emotion. It might not be. Exactly, you know, you might not get. He couldn't necessarily explain technical things to you, but you would know from the from the feel of his drum solo. And it may be at a kit. He's at his best with a large kit, but if he's just on a wooden table, he can make that count too. 
Oh, I see. So he's not talking through the drum solo. He's just communicating emotion, feelings. He's just like yes, he angrily can, playing, or he I yes, see. he can only he can only communicate via the power of percussion. Uh, but he can, wow. and you you understand what he's trying to say, at least in intent. All right. Drum solo. James James Nasrallah. James somehow some way. Wins every online argument. Wow. Here's my question. Yeah. Having this power, does he then engage in more or less online arguments? It's, uh, he's sort of bored with it. That's good. That means he's He's not online all the time trying to win arguments. But when he does, through the power of his argument or his whatever... He wins. Everyone goes, oh, 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 okay, yeah, you're right. Actually, you're right. I I hesitate to ask which side of the political divide he stands on. Well, I mean, that would be unfair to him to to, sure. to call. To, well, we should, business. if he, so, he, oh, see, this brings up an interesting question. So does that mean he has all the answers? No, it just means that he, he, can, he can persuade everyone to his side of the argument. Oh, he so he's not necessarily right. Right, no, he just wins the argument. Okay. People win arguments; they're not necessarily wrong. Right? They just win. Well, I mean, there are there are probably a great deal of awful, stupid people out there who can do that just because they just keep doing it, and then well, they no, win. If, by I don't default. know if you've ever been in an online argument, Josh. Me? But for the most part, uh, no one wins. No one is persuaded. Mm-hmm. It's just a it's just a slog of uh, intractable opinions. And here, when James gets involved, people the other side goes, "Oh, yeah, he makes a great point." I was wrong. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, that would mean that he's right then. But for the argument. Right. You know what I mean? I'm just saying, check his notes. Maybe we can find some tips in there. Maybe we could. Uh, Matt Scaba uh, can provide you with an instant word count upon looking at any text or or pile of pages uh, or, you know, or or even even a document, uh, a, a digital document. He can he can sort of look at the file and, oh, that's this many words. Can he hold a book and tell you? Yeah. Yep. Instant word count. Does he have to flip through the pages or can he just hold Mm-mm. the book and come to him? I'm looking at my big bookshelf now, just covered in, in books, uh, you know, comics, prose, otherwise, things like that. He could look at that and be like 7,247. Wow. Instant word counts. Look at a Is building he full of. Counting things? No, it's not, it's not obsessive compulsive. Right. He just knows. Yeah, he does. He does. He is the instant word count. Uh, I mean, he'd be great in editorial. It's too long. Not long enough. I haven't even. Just trust me on this. <laughs> Bryce Shepard can inflate things with his finger. Like, air comes out of his fingers. Helium or regular air? Regular air. Okay. So, balloons, balls, tires. He just sticks his finger to the nozzle. <laughs> Can he clean the keyboard out? Uh, yeah, he can shoot air out of his finger. So <laughs> he's a human air compressor. I mean, if he pinches his finger, you know, mm-hmm. the proper way. All right, I see. Yeah, kids love him he's, in the bathtub. He's he's a human air compressor. <laughs> That's incredibly utilitarian. I there's a lot of. I don't think anyone would complain about that. That's not a dumb power at all. And also, <laughs> I assume he's got a sort of a universal nozzle compatibility. Uh, compatibility. Oh, for sure. His finger just right. presses up against whatever nozzle. And right. 
because there's Nuzzle. there's Presta valves and and uh, <laughs> standard <laughs> valves. Yeah, he's got them all. All right, nozzle. You can call him the nozzle, actually. You could you could call you could call him either. <laughs> so patreon.com slash ifan with first of all thank you Bryce, Matt, James, and Corey for giving to the patron. Uh, everyone who wants to support the show, go patreon.com slash ifan button. Like we said, we're not that far from our next stretch goal. So if you want to hit hit that, uh, check it out. We do appreciate it. A lot of fun things happen. We just had our hangout this past week mm-hmm. with our patrons. It was fun. That's true. Let's let's do it. Let's tackle an audience question. Let's do one sure. and see how that goes. Uh, okay. Patrick from North Carolina writes and says, I've been thinking about this one since you picked Action Comics 1003 as pick of the week. Not too long ago, but you know, if that's when it came, that's when it did. I appreciate knowing. Uh, would you say that Bendis has gotten his groove back? Could we call this Bendis 2 Electric Boogaloo? No. I feel this way because the last few years before Bendis went to DC, people were not as excited about Bendis' work, but it's almost become a given that when a Bendis book comes out, it's pick of the week that's not true that's not true uh my follow-up is are there any creators that need to switch companies to get their groove back um i feel like this was a prevailing opinion amongst fandom that he was boring i didn't necessarily share that opinion but i i did think there's something for being on certain characters for a long time where you get kind of stale do you? Th- I mean, it, it, it's. I, I'd say there, there. I don't know. There might be an argument made, although it's a very big universe, so maybe not. Is that he had sort of said all of the things he had to say about Marvel? Well, he obviously he did it with the Avengers, and he did. It, he had a really good run on the X Men. Um, he created Miles Morales, created Jessica Jones. He revitalized Luke Cage. He did a lot of things. Basically, I mean, the only things he didn't really touch were basically the Fantastic Four. Did he do that in the Ultimate Universe? I don't remember. Okay. But, I mean, he basically, his fingerprints are all over Marvel. Yeah. And uh, he did it for a long time. So maybe he did need a sort of a creative... Well, if, if you think about producing. it, and, and, I, and I I think that there is an inherent difference in those universes. I, I don't know that it's necessarily easy to really elucidate what those differences are. Mm-hmm. But I think there's something to it. It's There's tone, there's legacy, there's a, there's a bunch of things. If you think about it, because he had done everything in, in Marvel, uh, he really would have had to work very hard at, at, at sort of moving the pebbles around to, to find where he could make an impact or have something new to say or do something like that. You go over to DC and, and, you know, it's a little bit wide open for him. Right. And and maybe that that brings a freedom or just you know it's just a, a change of venue. And sometimes that can be invigorating. And I and I don't know that he'd gotten bored or boring, but I think he had gotten to where we had we had seen his moves there, you know, and right. it put him in a different context and and I think there was a reinvigoration. And I, I mean I I I I'm going to assume he saw that. You know that that possibility. And I don't know if he's been sitting on these uh, mm-hmm. Jinx World books or not, but I mean, certainly he's putting out. He's got an output going right now that he hasn't had in forever. Yeah, that's true. That's true. He's adopted like seventy kids, also, right. and then he almost died. And then there's a lot of things going on there. And I'm not being flippant. He literally almost died. Um, right. And and you know maybe this is just you know the the other side of that. That's 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 really good. But to me. It it feels a little like there's no character like Superman. There's just not. And he is a really good fit with him. He's from Cleveland. Superman's a Cleveland character. I feel like he's had this in him a long time and he was just waiting for a chance to do it. 
Or maybe he he didn't know that he did, but he did. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But either way, I think I, I think it'd be hard to deny he's he's been he's got a, his shot of adrenaline in his work now that he didn't have a year ago. And I don't know who. I mean, there's a lot of people who've been writing books for a long time. Jason Aaron's been writing Thor for a long time, but I don't think he's stale on it. You didn't read you know? half of it, right? But I'm, I, I'm, I'm still. <laughs> I read the new stuff, and it's still. It's not. Doesn't real read as stale. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with that. But I don't know. So whatever it is, it's working. Um, I get who else. I'm trying to think of who. Well, obviously, we talked a lot about the show about Dan Slott being on Spider Man too long, mm-hmm. but. He's still a Marvel. I mean, a lot. I don't know. I mean, I don't know that it requires switching companies. I think that that uh, s- sort of states that there's a binary thing there that there's only two things you can do, um, and I don't think that's the case. You could say I could look at I could look at Rick Remender as a guy who came from indies, came into Marvel, did a lot of interesting stuff. Some really good, some less interesting, but but largely, you know, at least a lot of it had merit. Then kind of had said all the things that he had to say there. Came back into indies completely reinvigorated um, and did a lot of really interesting stuff. Mark Miller, same kind of thing. Um, yeah. Sometimes I, you see the shakeup. It, it, yeah. In, I, your pers- I, I, in your personal life, it happens too. You know, a new job or whatever. Uh-huh. You, you, need, you need to just shake up the status quo. Yeah. I think that I think there's that, that change of venue has a really big deal. Like where you, you know, if, if you talk to creators a lot. um, and this doesn't always work out, but sometimes they say, you know, I got to tell my story. I got to jump off a cliff, you know, and then when that works, like all of a sudden things are going. Scotty Young's, you know, like he went and he did I Hate Fairyland and 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 now he's got a bunch of stuff like it, it just changed up what he was doing. And then you see there is energy because they get excited because they're doing a thing they haven't done before. One and of the, the most common things you hear from creative people is do what scares you. And yeah. I don't I can't imagine that anything scared Bendis at Marvel anymore. That's a really good point, yeah. So maybe this is what he needed. Um, yeah, I think you that... You can't argue with the results. You can't. No, you can't. And, I mean, there are some guys who I'd like to, you know, have them change the venue to sort of see what else is in them. I I, I, I think that Ed Brubaker has been doing fantastic work. Yeah. I really do. But he's been doing the same kind of thing for a while. And it would be really interesting to see him stretch and do a different kind of thing. But maybe that's what he does. I don't know. Do you want to do another quick one? Or? Uh, sure. Let's do it real quick. Zach from Texas. I love the podcast. I was wondering if you ever got FOMO, fear of missing out, with series you're not reading. I've been on the cusp of dropping a couple of major titles, but I keep buying them out of FOMO. Uh, I mean, m- m- my instinct is to say no, but I think that we have seen that. M- I mean, my behavior has not necessarily shown that well uh is it fomo no no because i think we're reading we read so much and we're we're so deep into what's being published that it's hard to have fomo on anything I you're right what i'm missing it's not fear of missing out because then also i'm very capable of missing a thing i'm thinking i think there's if we were talking about tv for example like there's a lot of tv shows that are great i can't watch them all Sorry. Uh, and, and that doesn't really bother me. Comics, the only fear of missing out for me is that um, if there is something really great, I really love to read great comics. And I don't want to not know about it. Um, I don't want to get hit by And also, like, I feel like I owe that to the audience a little bit. Like, if there's something important happening in comics, right? Uh, you know, you know, in, in terms of mainstream superhero comics, Bendis writing Superman comics is important. Like, 
I wouldn't want to miss out on that. Now, does that mean we need to talk about it every week? No, but we do. Um, oh, we are. Yep. Uh, <laughs> so there's that, but that's probably not exactly. I'm not. I'm not worried about missing good comics. There's probably lots of good comics that I don't read. And the thing is, it's not like it's 1985 and you missed it and you're out of luck. Yes, that's a good point. It's very easy then to go. Oh, I missed that book that everyone <laughs> thinks is great. I can just go download it and have it on my iPad and read it. You're right. Though. Was, that's that's not why I worry about dropping stuff. Yeah. I I worry I I don't worry about dropping stuff, but there's certainly I think we were talking about uh, Dan Slott's Iron Man. Like I keep reading it. It's not I'm, a, I'm not afraid of missing out. It's that it's it's intriguing to me in some way that is not the normal way. That's right. usually why I stick with things. Uh, I think I stopped reading Flash recently. Yeah, good choice. Good call. <laughs> it was a long good run, but you can only sustain it for so long. And I was like, oh, I'm 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 not into this so much. So I just walked away. I mean, you read. You read Batman every every iteration of it forever. I don't know if you That's still. I love do Batman. That. It's not because fear of missing out of a good story. It's just because I like reading Batman stories. Mm-hmm. Um, but even if you were in the middle of an arc that you didn't necessarily like, it's not like you dropped it. No, I'd still read it. Yeah, but it's, again, it's not because I'm worried about missing a good story. I know it's not going to be good. It's just I I, I like reading Batman stories. Hmm. So maybe we don't suffer from that because of our unique exposure to the world of comics. Yeah, it, it's not a normal comic reading experience. In fact, our job here on this podcast is almost to make sure that no one else does miss out. We are a stopgap against that. So we can say, have you read this Old Man Hawkeye book? This book is great, or or Moon Knight, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, that's actually what I consider to be one of the main important things that we're doing, to make sure that not so much the stories, but that the creators who are interesting are getting their due. Right. And then understanding why those are good. That's, so stick right. with us is what I'm saying. Right. But don't be and, uh, Again, I just can't emphasize this. It, it, it's very hard to miss out on anything now. You, if, you, if, you, if you drop a book, and it just happened to me. I've dropped a book and heard three issues later from, from Josh or whoever that it's actually gotten really good or whatever. I can very easily now get it. Everyone can very easily now go get it. But also. It, they're all available at your fingertips. I mean. There's an economic component to that. You can't get everything. There's a timing. No, no. Component. But I mean, is in the past, when yes. I was a kid, if I missed out on a book, I had to go find it in a back issue bin. Hopefully, it's not ten dollars, and you know, it's, it's a whole other situation yeah. as opposed to now, where I can open up my Comicsology app and I can find it, and it's a dollar two ninety nine or whatever, three ninety nine or whatever it is, and it's a much easier experience. But just in general, like I also feel like there's literally just so much content in media all across the. So like, if you miss something, I mean. Netflix series are a really good one. Like I had, I had, I think I had like a little bit of fear of missing out on some of those, and then eventually I was like, I'm never gonna be caught you up. Can't you literally do it? And and they just, they just, it's Friday, so they just put out 26 new series. Right. You know, and and eventually, like I've definitely adjusted myself to. I'm not gonna. It's so that that's why that that you know that old thing that would be that when somebody you, you said, oh, I've never seen such and such, and then your friend would go, what? You've never seen so and so? That's dead. Like that well, has no, to be not dead. That happens all the time. I know that, dead. but like it ha it it's it's on its way to being dead. It should be because literally no one could keep up. There's a billion great things, and it's mixed with twenty billion okay things and a hundred billion shitty things. Right. And it's too. It's it's a lot. There's a lot. There's more than there's ever been, and you just have to you know, you'll have to miss out. That's true. All right. So there you go. Contact by fanboy.com is how you can get your email on the show. Or if you want to send us a voice clip, you can do that too. Thanks to everyone who does so. 
And Josh, you can finally reveal your Talksplode subject. Yes, this coming week, uh, you can expect a Talksplode between myself and cartoonist Katie Cook. You may know her from My Little Pony or uh, various other licensed properties that we talked about. She's done some Star Wars books for kids, and currently she's doing a webtoon called... Uh, or if, you, if you go to conventions, you know her from her incredibly popular little uh, sketches. Her, her $5 mini sketches? Yep. Yes. Uh, Katie everywhere. Cook. I have like four of them. I spoke with her. I do. I have one of my dog up on the wall upstairs. Um, and I like her very much. Um, and it turns out I didn't actually know a ton about her career because I just know about her. Um, so uh, we talked for a bit about her about her really interesting career and her place in comics. Um, and she says that things were a hoot quite a lot, which really reveals that she's from the Midwest. I'm, looking, I'm really looking forward to this because yep. I think she is terrific and she's super nice. She is. So this past week, we dropped a surprise Venom special edition podcast on everyone. People cried to us for weeks about not having a Venom podcast, and it happened. Now, this does not mean you can keep crying to us about other things we haven't covered. This is a, was a unique situation where it just so happened that Josh and Ron independently saw Venom for whatever reason. We, we may and have we oversold were, the because you asked for it angle. Yeah, it wasn't really because you asked for it. It was just because they both saw it, and we were like, well, people have been asking, so why don't you guys fucking think, talk about it? I think it? Ron and I just wanted to talk. So, Josh and Ron talked about Venom uh, right behind the show in the feed. You can find it. It's a short. It's a short talk, but it's on there. And uh, good for you guys. <laughs> Going back on our word. <laughs> we like to make you look like a fool. In the meantime, uh, Paul and I talked about this last week, and we talked about it a week before. Uh, we had a comic come out, Dreadnought Legends number one. It's available now on Comicsology. Or if you're a gamer, you can get it as part of a bundle on Steam with the game Dreadnought. But we're really proud of the book. It's a, it's a labor of love for us. And we would love to tell two more with the characters and tell more stories with them. So if you want to check it out, Dreadnought Legends number one on Comixology. Just $1.99. So it's about it's about half of what you pay for a regular comic. So it's not, not that it's not a regular comic. But it's about half you pay for your, your normal Wednesday Marvel DC Standard call. comic book pricing. And so we, we priced it so you'd check it out, and we hope you do. Um, we really are proud of it. And so uh, if you would let, check it out, we would be very appreciative. Hmm. It, it won't hurt to read. Sci-fi. Who doesn't like sci-fi who listens to the show? So that was your pitch? It won't hurt to read. It won't hurt. It won't hurt to read. <laughs> okay. It's not scary. You don't really have that, that carnival show <laughs> sideshow Barker appeal going on there with that. This is, this, is, this is me before I've eaten lunch. It's true. It's true. What I'm saying is it's, it's, a, it's a really fun sci-fi adventure. It ties into the game Dreadnought, but it's not a requirement that you've played the game before. But if you want to play the game, it's certainly available. It's free on Steam. I, I play it every day. Uh, check it out. Dreadnought Legends number one. Paul Montgomery, David Campo, writers, uh, Priscilla Petrades, and Marco Lesko on art, and Bill Sienkiewicz on covers. It's a really great, uh, really great book. Cool. Uh, 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 wrap us up. Bring us home. Head over to fanboy.com. You can find all of our podcasts, including the Venom podcast, including all of Josh's Talksplode interview shows, including our Booksplode uh, review shows. So we actually revealed on our Patreon hangout the next Booksplode book, which is the uh, All My Heroes Have Always Been Junkies from Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips, the new OGN that came out from Image Comics. We're taking a quick break from our nostalgia tour, which will return in force uh, for the following Booksplode, but the next one's going to be that one. So check that out. All the old Booksplodes are there as well. If you want to know what the pick is before the show comes out, you can like face, uh, Fanboy on Facebook at facebook.com slash iFanboy. You can follow us on Twitter at iFanboy on Twitter and follow us individually at Jay Flanagan on Twitter and Instagram at CSKillPatrick on Instagram. 
That is true. And if, if you dig this, this thing that we do, um, we would, of course, uh, like if you went to iTunes and left us a star review or a written rating, uh, tell people what you think. Um, have you checked on those lately? Where's, no. You know what those are up to? Um, I, I don't. I think the last time I, I, I looked was a while ago, but um, it's always fun to sort of read the latest bad reviews, <laughs> of which there's not a lot, uh, thankfully, which I, I think is, uh, is, is wonderful. Makes you should summon them now. Really good about myself. Um, or better yet, though, uh, the sort of more effective and direct thing is to tell folks about it. I have, you know, it doesn't doesn't too many days go by where we see somebody say, hey, what comic book, sh- what comic podcast should we listen to? And somebody says, I, I like iFanboy for a lot. And then almost invariably someone else will, will chime in like, oh, that's great. And then I always feel very happy and, and thankful for that kind of thing. But but that really does make a big difference. Um, that is how, how the show steadily uh, grows and, and gets introduced to more people. Um, and then they get pulled into this whirlwind of weirdness uh that we have created for ourselves and and that we will do until we die apparently it's a good way of describing it <laughs> whirlwind of weirdness that we have created for ourselves yeah uh that, that's that's it right yeah that'll do all right that's it for this week's show we'll be back next week for a spooky halloween episode no, we won't okay good i was, I was like what <laughs> it will technically be halloween in the past so we yes. will have moved on by then this should be have been our spooky episode you're right. I guess the it's, patron pick was kind of that. You're right. There you go. Until next time, I'm Connor. And I'm... Hi, Josh. I, I, I'm not good at thinking of Halloween names. <laughs> <laughs>